New York Artists Collective. And welcome to the New York Artists Collective podcast. This next one's about. Uh, if you haven't joined us before, this is the podcast where we interview an artist to discuss the creative songwriting process behind one of their songs. I'm your host, Stephanie Manns, singer-songwriter and co-producer of the New York Artists Collective. Today's guest is singer-songwriter Ben Grace, formerly of New York, and he's here to talk about his latest release, A Thousand Times. Ben Grace, welcome to the podcast all the way from San Diego today. Thank you so much for having me. You are from Australia. That's right. I was born and raised in Sydney, uh, New South Wales, and lived there for most of my life, and then moved to the States almost eight years ago, actually. A fellow transplant such as myself. Mm -hmm. When you first moved here, did people mix up your accent for something else? Oh, they still do. I think mine has definitely evolved because I've sung alongside Americans for eight years. So people get that much. like, you're English, or you're from New Zealand, or you're from South Africa. I don't really get Scottish very much. So <laughs> I never get that. People, <laughs> you don't? No, no one ever guesses that. And they, like, they think they're being really clever and they're like, oh, are you from Wales? And I'm like, no, <laughs> not even close. And I do my valley accent, you know, mm-hmm. and yeah, no, it's, it, it's, I always find it very funny. We digress, Ben, we digress. <laughs> but um, it's so such a pleasure to have you on the show. I, I know we've been in touch on on the old Instagram for a while mm-hmm. now. I, I love the world of Instagram. For me, I find it the LinkedIn of musicians. Yes, that's perfect. I definitely have found collaborators, lyricists, co-writers, touring buddies across Instagram. I, I love it. I think it's a great way to tell a story. I mean, if they say a picture tells a thousand words, then then people who use that well, I think you get a sense of who they are very quickly and off the bat. Absolutely. I have so many questions for you, but let's start with uh, the raison d'etre. As a, it's never a good idea for a Scottish person to do a French accent, but there we go. Um, so we're here to talk about uh, your latest song. Um, so tell me about that. And I know it's yet to be released. So so tell me all about it, how, what it's about, when it's coming out, um, and, and what, what drove you to this one. Yeah, you guys will have the premiere of this, which I'm really grateful for. Um, and actually, this comes out on my birthday, September 4th. Um, it's my 40th birthday, so there's significance all around here for me. So this song I wrote uh, a year ago. As I was leaving New York, uh, it was August last year, and my life was in shambles. I was doing a ton of therapy um, as kind of my marriage was falling apart and, and everything kind of was happening around me. And it occurred to me that someone kind of said to me that they thought that I was letting myself off too easy in my life. I've had a fairly interesting life. I grew up in a cult and I've gone through a bunch of things um, that have been pretty transformative. And for me, as, as my kind of my relationship was falling apart, I was asking a bunch of questions about myself and about the world and about how I kind of sat into it. And so this kind of you letting yourself off too easy was sort of the thing that was rattling around my brain. <laughs> and so this song was kind of written into that space of just trying to say to people, I've tried to say these things a thousand times. I've tried to actually do the best I can. I've, I've been pushing back against the, the programming I was given as a child. I've been pushing up against um, religious oppression all my life. I've had all these questions inside myself that I've tried to do my best to hold in the tension. And then so the final verse really, as I was sort of rounding the corner, was pointing that finger back at myself and saying that I'm actually still grappling with my own sense of identity and I still am trying to become the best person I possibly can. And I'm trying to resist falling into despair and grief and just getting lost in that completely, which I think is very much an artist thing to get lost in the, the darkness of the hard times or the things you struggle with yourself. So this song really was kind of a roar into the face of people who I think were thought I was taking the easy way out of my life when in fact I was gripping on for dear life. I've, I, I don't know where to start with that, but that's, that's a lot of things that you brought up there. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I'm I'm saddened to hear that people thought you were taking the easy way out. I think that's it doesn't sound like a very easy thing to to deal with at all in terms of you know a divorce and moving from one side of the country to another. What I've learned recently, especially through a lot of therapy, is that I think people often are projecting onto you their own struggles. And I think one of the things that I came across as my relationship was ending, and I was married for 17 years, uh, was that people were so afraid that it was going to happen to them. It was almost like I had some sort of leprosy they could catch, which is just not true. You know, like <laughs> it's not as if I'm going to tell you mm-hmm. my insecurities about my relationship and you want to go home and be like, oh, yeah, totally. I mean, you're t- entitled to obviously think about your relationship and challenge all those things. But there were definitely people who were really concerned that my failure as a human being would somehow reflect on them. Or, or I think it was maybe as people who held me in high esteem as someone with a lot of integrity. So when this sort of, when the bottom fell out of my life a little bit, that people were like, well, if it can happen to him, it can happen to all of us. And I'm like, well, that's actually the truth of it, isn't it? <laughs> like, um, that, Thank you for opening up. That's a, a very deep and meaningful song I imagine for you and it's is it very poignant for you that it's coming out um on your birthday yeah it is I think you know the song begins with the lyrics this is my part of the story and I'm sticking to this tune I think one of the things I've realized is definitely you know through sort of a very oppressive religious upbringing I would call it a cult that I grew up in that I was never really fully allowed to be myself and so I've grappled my entire life even my artistic life I've been in multiple bands uh over, over many many years and one of the things I've realized is up until a few years ago I was sort of hiding behind either being the second, being a music director for an artist or being the songwriter for an artist or hiding behind a band name or an organization. I was never really allowing myself to be Ben Grace, to, to stand into that, tell my story. Um, even when I actually did start, it was only three years ago on my birthday, I played my first gig under my own name ever. Even when I did that, I started to realize that a lot of my songwriting was storytelling and it wasn't always my story. I was telling other people's stories and kind of using my empathy to tell a larger story when in fact I think what I need to do is really kind of start to answer the question in myself like who am I what am I doing here what what's what's the story I'm going to be telling for the rest of my life so this is this really is that song this is kind of the start of that wonderful okay well let's take a listen this is Ben Grace and a thousand times This is my part of the story And I'm sticking to this tune It may not seem to you like fact But for me it is the truth And I've wrestled long and hard With all the pieces and the parts Wound up with this bleeding broken heart And I wish that I had known this from the start Did you ever really give a damn? Did you even care? Was there curiosity for all the burdens that I bear? Did you ever stop to wonder? Does it even cross your mind that I've done the best I could a thousand
This is my part in the damage. Yes, I'm molding all my shame. Sticks and stones have broke my bones. Had nothing on the nails. But I've been called all kinds of things from the pulpit and my kin. To somehow I And the strife and struggle with my sin. Did they ever really give a damn? Did they even care? Too busy trying to save my soul with all their thoughts and prayers. Did they ever stop to notice? So Ben, that was a thousand times. And when I was listening to it, I really loved the, the feel of it. I think you really lent into the kind of ballad aspect and some of the, you know, there's a little bit of a country theme to it or an, Amer- mm-hmm. an Americana twang to it there, which I, I really liked. And I think it lent itself very well to the lyrics and to the story that you were trying to tell. Thank you. But I want to touch on some of the things that you mentioned before we we played the song. And you mentioned that you you grew up in a cult. Yep. It's this, this movement which is not mainstream Christian uh, called Christadelphians. It's about 60,000 worldwide, about 10,000 in the UK, 10,000 in Australia, and the rest sort of scattered uh, all over the place. It's very proudly not mainstream Christian. So they're kind of, they, they're famously, uh, they, they really hate the Catholics. <laughs> the Catholics are the, the whore of Babylon, as mentioned in Revelation. Um, but they're just generally, they kind of uh, spend a lot of their time trying to tell their adherents and tell the congregants that. Other Christians just have it wrong. That's essentially kind of it's very separatist. Okay. Um, this idea there's only a handful saved, which is not you know unique to anything, but I think it's it's very difficult. I think for people who leave this to go anywhere else because the views are so divergent from mainstream Christianity that a lot of people kind of end up 
becoming very, very screwed up atheists, <laughs> people who actually do manage to get out and leave. At what point did you leave? So I left Australia in my early 30s. Um, it was in my early 20s that I, I managed to get out of the more very conservative side and find a slightly more liberal version of Christadelphia and and kind of found some great people there, actually, some thinking people, some people who were able to express their doubts and fears. And and there was less oppression of women uh, in the sort of more liberal side, whereas where I grew up, you had, they had no voice whatsoever. They weren't allowed to speak. They weren't allowed to say anything. So I, I spent about 10 years in a more liberal side. But then when I moved to New York in my early 30s, um, got completely out of the movement altogether. Okay, so that was well into adulthood then. Yes, absolutely. Interesting. Um, what was it like for you in terms of becoming an artist with that background, which, as you mentioned, had been quite oppressive? For me and my family, we don't really talk about music at all. It was very frowned upon for me to pursue kind of music and pursue an artistic career. And they still, to this day, struggle. My parents had struggled to talk about it. There was hardly anybody at all who, who kind of pursued any creative kind of career uh, inside the cult. You had to kind of do a, a, you know, an honest job, like a trade or a government job or become a teacher. Or You were even actually told that you shouldn't go to university and study humanities. So anything that actually kind of taught you critical thinking or questioning was completely frowned upon. So for me, I actually walked out of high school and decided to go straight to the workforce and worked in finance for a few years until I came across just how much corruption there still is even in that field. You know, <laughs> that's, that's not a, a straightforward field and it kind of it rubbed up against my ethic. Um, and I was like, wow, this is not the thing either this straightforward life of go and get a job and find the right girl and settle down and all kind of stuff that you're told was not as black and white as my experience was so yes to this day uh, there's still that struggle for me being an artist Um, I took a turn in 2009 actually and put out a Christian EP which I worked with um, some of the guys who mixed and mastered Hillsong music and kind of tried to sort of go into the sort of mainstream kind of Christian world which was a very people were in the cult were like whoa okay we're not about that. We don't really like that idea. But even beyond that, just sort of being a regular artist, I had a pop band in Australia for a while. And there's very much kind of that you're not supposed to do because you're sort of trained to not be an individual or to have your own way of thinking, your own manner. You're supposed to fall in line with group think. Artists, I think, are known for questioning. They're, artists, they're known for pushing the boundaries. They're known for yep. you know, being their own person very fiercely. And so that, that wasn't a very compatible thing. I think that's kind of where the tension for me has always sat in trying to be myself. Uh, and speak my truth and, and do my art is has always been in conflict with this story, which is, you know, which I held for a lot of my life. And when you say to people that you were in a cult, is it in line with their expectations? And I think I'm probably completely incorrect. My idea of a cult is probably what I see on Netflix. And mm. it's this idea of a very enclosed community that is is very blocked off from the outside world. Well, mostly I will still exist in the world. Like, you know, I would go to high school, I would go to regular school, but I wasn't allowed to go to any away camps, like stay away camps. If you stayed overnight, I wasn't allowed to go to that camp. I didn't go to any parties uh, with my school friends. So, so I had to go to school, you know, go there between nine to three, but then I came home and my entire social world was caught up in, you know, on Sunday we had three services. So you'd go to Sunday school before the main service. Then you would come home for lunch and then you would go back for the gospel proclamation lecture in the evening. And then sometimes after that, you would also then have a youth supper. So it would take up your entire Sunday. And then Wednesday night would be sort of the Bible class and Friday night would be the youth youth class. And then Saturday, you might have some, some sort of youth outing. So it really just encompassed your entire life. And whilst we weren't, you know, wasn't behind a, you know, shut it into a door, into a closed fence gated community, it felt very much like that in, in so many ways. There's a lot of lot of things you just didn't have access to. I didn't have TV ever, you know, until I was like 20 and moved out of home. So 
um, there was just a lot that I just didn't know about the world in general. Very felt very sheltered. Mm-hmm. And you had mentioned also that um, your identity has been shifting um, over the last, certainly over the last year, with the the move from New York to San Diego. Um, mm. Has how has your you know identity as an artist been informed by? you know, your upbringing as well as uh, this, you know, spending time in New York and then now moving to the West Coast. Yeah. And I think, I think there's some good things about my upbringing. I managed to fuse into my work. I think I've always been very socially conscious, like understanding that the the world isn't just centered on you, that the world is, is a, a big place uh, full of, of things that we need to uh, think about and talk about. So a lot of my music has always kind of lent into that social justice aspect. Um, I wouldn't say the Christadelphian faith itself is very socially justice um, oriented, but at the same time, I think my kind of biblical upbringing, like sitting in church, I remember when I was 11 or 12 years old, um, reading the book of Isaiah, because I was probably bored in the sermon and just realizing like, wow, like social justice starts here in the, in the biblical text, you know, that the divine love that created the world has been all about the outsiders and the widows and the fatherless and the orphans and the people who who don't have enough that uh, God of love is for all of those people. Um, so I think, you know, there's been a lot of that, my questioning and pushing up against my own uh, misgivings with my, my bringing misgivings with that belief that has really kind of played itself out in my music, quite frankly, uh, and kind of contributed to me telling what I think is a, a better story or a bigger story. In fact, that's one of the songs that will be on the record, um, which won't be released as a single is called a little story. And it really is telling the story of my upbringing in the cult that's saying I came to a, a bigger story. I found a better one. And that's the story I want to tell um, where it's an all inclusive um, story where everybody is loved and everybody should have equal access uh, to healthcare, to rights uh, for their own sexuality for their own identity and their own belief systems well thank you for sharing that that's um that's a, that's a huge realization and you know a lot of self-awareness um there and yeah a lot of people don't have that and i'm i'm a little bit blown away so i shall move swiftly on um before i embarrass myself so um you <laughs> <laughs> were saying that you um have been releasing a song a month this year mm, well it started last year in march last year my first single was actually new york lullaby which is a song about how hard it is to live in New York City, but how much, you know, I loved it and it was very much home to me. And the sort of the refrain of it is, you know, you make it hard for us to call you home. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was my first single. And then I re- released seven singles, the last of which uh, came out, I think, in February this year um, called Come to Bed, My Darling. So, um, and I'd hoped to to release more, but just obviously in the transition of, of not knowing where I'd quite end up and doing a lot of travel. Um, actually, I was in, I was in Edinburgh. And, and Dublin in October last year and um, sort of all over the place. So once I got settled down in San Diego, I was like, okay, I need to pick back up and, and finish off this record. And what was the, I, I'm fascinated that you had certainly had this intention. Was the intention mm-hmm. to release a song a month driven by where Spotify has gone and, and in terms of engaging fans on an active level or? or yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes, it was. I think it was partly, I think, financial you know can be the idea that i've watched friends of mine spend you know years of their life and thirty thousand dollars making a record because it is expensive and then you put it out there and people listen to it they're like this is great when's the next one you're just like holy crap (laughs) i'm broke and i and i and i labored over that and you sort of took two listens to it and you're like when's the next thing but but somehow we consume music very differently now um Mm -hmm. i think 
before we pressed record, I was talking about how I love to listen to a record and get into it, listen to it for months and months and feast on it. Like take every, take every little piece of flesh off the bone, every morsel and just savor it. Whereas I think now that I have Spotify, you know, I find myself just sort of snacking, you know, listen to this person here, listen to that person there. And and always sort of finding this sort of obsession to find something new, find the new thing that's breaking is sort of keeps you in this sort of never ending cycle. So I thought for me as an artist who was trying to break through and so never really release anything under my own name that that's like fascination to just do a song a month and have people sit with that you know yep. listen to it uh mull it over and and kind of on the next one and i also at the same time that i did the song a month i got into patreon which uh, i think you probably maybe you've heard of yes. which is like kickstarter but sort of monthly thing and and i was looking like what's what's my life gonna be like how can i build a career that actually is self-sustaining um, and this idea that people would come along and help you build that every single month was very appealing to me. I've been on that for almost, I guess, a year and a half almost. And it's phenomenal. Absolutely love it. I love the fans I make along the way there. I love how engaged they are. Um, they're people who, you know, not only just monthly you know, give to me, but they'll often host house shows, follow me. They share my stuff. They're very engaged. And I think that's always been the way, quite frankly, honestly, as we've done, you know, musicians have done music. It's only really the last... 50 years or so or probably more than that now uh, of the sort of the recording industry that sort of changed that that kind of idea and put music as some sort of product um, but really we've always kind of sung for our supper we've gone from town to town we've we've built our our patreons uh, our patrons and that base so we've just started doing a mini series actually one of the things that we will probably look at is is ways to to support well we are looking at ways to support artists but i think we would probably do uh, an episode on Patreon and, and such such like just to help help people understand because I don't think a lot of people, unless you're a huge music fan, I don't think a lot of people know too much about it. Yeah, and that, that's kind of what drove me to it. I love being sort of a pioneer of new things. I love starting brand new things. And so Patreon's still kind of new and I like the idea of actually kind of not only going there for myself but sort of educating people that, hey, like you might buy a record once when I'm through your place in South Bend, Indiana, it might take me another two years until I come back around. So you gave me that, you know, $5 EP or whatever it was. Yeah. Uh, in the meantime, though, I'm still trying to actually make music and I'm still trying to get myself down the road. And mm-hmm. so I think this idea of really uh, of, of loyalty, you know, we talk about brand loyalty with marketing and but what does that look like for artists to have brand loyalty, if you have people who really kind of sit with them and watch the development and become their A&R that's actually watching them. Um, through my entire life and that's that's one of the things I actually I'm really looking forward to like uh, this thousand times will come out on a compilation album just jump paddling legacy because I'm looking back over 25 years or 30 years of music making and I'm just going to release a whole bunch of these old old songs some of the unreleased some of them are just demos that I found and um, others I just really love and they're just part of the story and trying to, trying to help tell that story of the legacy of my music making as I turn 40 um, thinking back through a lot of those uh, those releases some of my fans have been with me for 15 years or so mm-hmm. and have have gone through all the evolution of me going from you know sort of christian artists through to to, to power pop artists to move to america then becoming sort of americana artists and i'm just amazing that there are people who've stuck with me i think that's so beautiful that people get to witness to our lives and hopefully what we do as artists with our fierce questioning and our vulnerability and um our constant evolution is is tell other people that it's okay for you to do that too. It's okay for you to change, to evolve, to ask questions, to be a different person next week, to kind of to just be yourself at all costs. That was a very good point. Um, 
We are sadly running out of time, Ben, but uh, mm-hmm. before um, we, we sign off and we tell people where they can go to support you, my final question for you is what is the most played track on your iPhone slash iPod slash whatever you listen to music on? What is what is driving you right now? Uh, one's called Crowded Table. It's about the high women. Oh yes, which is this, which is this incredible collective of of some of the, all the best badass female country women alive. Mm-hmm. I I love that song. I just love the old school Dolly Parton mm-hmm. nature of it. Yep. So vintage sounding, and I think Dolly actually even got up and sang with them at the um, Newport Folk yes, Fest, she did. which is yeah. which is totally bad. I'm just like, holy shit! If I could have been there, <laughs> it's just like ah, uh, a moment. Well, Ben, um, it's been such a pleasure chatting with you. But before we we depart and, and say our goodbyes, where can people follow you? How would you like them to support you? So you can find me at, at Ben Grace Music everywhere. I'm on Instagram, um, Twitter, and Facebook, and all the rest. I ha- definitely have different personalities on some of those. I think I'm more of an activist on Twitter, but uh, but nevertheless, <laughs> I still like to share my story. I love Instagram, and then uh, you can find me at BenGraceMusic.com. That's kind of where I kind of put all the things. Uh, and then, as I said earlier, I'm on Patreon. So p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash Ben Grace Music. If you like what you hear and you'd love to come along with me for the journey, uh, please come on board there. I host house shows all over the country and um, you can get on board and, and bring me to your place. Awesome. Well, Ben, as well, when you do come back to New York, let us know. We would love to Absolutely. have you in a New York artist collective round. <laughs> Sorry, this is, this is my dog. He's, he's telling me he wants to go out. Oh. <laughs> I love dogs. They're my favorite thing on the planet. Ben Grace, thank you so much for joining us. I will we'll post all of those <laughs> we'll post all of those details in the episode. I can't edit that out now. It's too late. Um Ben Grace, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. The very talented Ben Grace. If, if you want to follow Ben, you can find him at bengracemusic.com and bengracemusic on Instagram. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Why not subscribe to the podcast if you haven't done so already? Next week on the show, I am interviewing Cassidy Andrews to talk about her latest release as she prepares to perform with the New York Artists Collective alongside Frank Bell and John Gardner, September 28th at Rockwood Music Hall. I'm Stephanie Manns. Thanks for listening. See you next week. New York Artists Collective.